Welcome and bienvenue and welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations. I know you want to leave me, but I refuse to let you roll. If I have a baby for your sympathy, I don't How are we doing? I hope, as always, that this episode of The Musical Man finds you well. I hate to tell you this, but I have no new business to address here in this opening segment. So if it's all right with you, Patty and Benny, all the way out there in the Windy City, if it's all right with you, I would like to barrel forward into the show facts relating to this week's subject. Is that all well? <laughs> It would appear that Patty and Benny are dancing, and so I will do a little bit of a a bit of a hoochie coo myself. Is that what you guys? Oh, well, obviously I should have picked up on this sooner. My hoochie coo is sort of a skeletal waving of the arms. It's like I'm rattling my own bones. I don't know what's really going on here, but I gotta say, Patty, uh, if, if this was a contest, and it's not, it's not a contest, but if it were, Patty would win the Hoochie Coo competition because she is, it's a lot of neck work. It's a lot of like turkey in the straw strut neck work. She's a turkey is what she is. And Benny, how would I describe Benny's Hoochie Coo? This is all still happening. We're still doing it. Oh my god. How would I describe Benny? Um, more of a robot. It's more of a classic Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto, robot. Okay, enough. Enough with the Hoochie Coo competition. Uh, Patty, we will get your medallion to you in the mail. I will send that forthwith. Now it is time for the show facts relating to this week's subject. Ain't too proud. Show me the show facts. All right, Patty, Benny, let's give it to him. Let's do it. Ain't Too Proud was a 2019 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical. It opened on Broadway on March 21st, 2019 at the Imperial Theater and ran for 488 performances. The book was written by Dominique Morisseau and the music and lyrics are brought to us by the legendary Motown catalog. I don't use the word legendary. That's the term that they use on the internet Broadway database. The legendary Motown catalog. Let's get specific. Let's drill into the writers who make up that catalog. Greg America, Skip Beatty, John Bristol, Vernon Bullock, Troy Carter, Carl Christensen, Greg Crockett, James Dean, not that James Dean, another James Dean, Lamont Herbert Dozier, Anthony Fontenot, Harvey Fuqua, Kenneth Gamble, Cornelius Grant, Brian Holland, Edward Holland Jr., Leon Huff, O'Kelly Isley Jr., 
Ronald Isley, Rudolph Isley, Ronald Miller, Warren Moore, Orlando Merton, Esther Navarro, Fred Paris, Helga Penzabine, Roger Penzabine Sr., Roger Penzabine Jr., Paul Reiser, not that Paul Reiser, another Paul Reiser, Smokey Robinson, arguably the most important figure in this group, Robert Rogers, Barrett Strong, William Weatherspoon, Ronald White, Norman J. Whitfield, and Armeek Weish. I say Smokey Robinson is arguably the most important figure in that group because he was an enormous influence on our subject, The Temptations. We will get into that. The basis for this musical is The Temptations, a 1988 biography co-written by Otis Williams and Patricia Romanowski, the director of the Broadway production Das Makinoff. Das Makinoff? As always, I try to pronounce these names as accurately as possible, but mistakes are inevitably made. I do apologize for any mix steps on my part. Uh, the name Des Makinoff was familiar to me, so I looked this up. Des was the director of Summer, the Donna Summer musical, Dr. Zhivago, Jersey Boys, and Dracula the musical, as well as, I'm pretty sure, not the director, but maybe the producer of the ill-fated jukebox musical Good Vibrations, the Beach Boys jukebox musical. That did not run for very long, if I remember correctly. The musical director of Ain't Too Proud was Kenny Seymour, orchestrations by Harold Wheeler, hello again, Harold, choreographer Sergio Trulio, hello again, Sergio, scenic design Robert Burrell, with projection designs by Peter Negrini, lighting design Howell Binkley, hello, it's like I'm saying hello to all of my friends, sound design Steve Canyon Kennedy and Walter Trarbach, and costume design by Paul Taswell, Paul, I know you too, original Broadway cast, here's the whole, here's the whole list from top to bottom, we have Derek Baskin, James Harkness, Joanne M. Jackson, Jeremy Pope, Ephraim Sykes, St. Obin, Sean Bowers, Broadway debut for Sean, congratulations, E. Clayton Cornelius, Taylor Simone Jackson, Broadway debut, Taylor, congratulations, Jahi Kearse, Jarvis B. Manning Jr., Joshua Morgan, Rashidra Scott, Nasia Thomas, Christian Thompson, Broadway debut, hey, congratulations, Christian, and finally, last, but certainly not least, Candace Marie Woods, ah, Tony Nods, the production won Best Choreography, Sergio Trulio, and was additionally nominated for Best Musical, of course, but also Best Book of a Musical, Dominique Morisot, Best Leading Actor in a Musical, Derek Baskin, Best Featured Actor in a Musical, Jeremy Pope, Best Featured Actor in a Musical, Ephraim Sykes, Best Direction of a Musical, Des McEnough, Best Orchestrations, Harold Wheeler, Best Scenic Design of a Musical, Robert Brill and Peter Negrini, Best Costume Design of a Musical, Paul Taswell, Best Lighting Design of of a musical, Howell Binkley, and Best Sound Design of a Musical, Steve Canyon Kennedy. So, if you're doing the math, that's 12 Tony nominations, one award when all was said and done. I do not have a traditional plot summary to pull from. The Wikipedia page for Ain't Too Proud does not have a plot summary, so I turned to the official Wikipedia page for The Temptations as a group, as well as the individual Wikipedia pages for the classic five lineup. If you don't know anything about The Temptations, trust me, you're gonna know about them before this segment is through. Here we go, let's do it. The Temptations formed in 1960 as a result of an artistic merger, one that brought together members of two competing Detroit acts, The Primes and Otis Williams and The Distance. Flying under the banner of The Elgins, the original lineup of the newly minted act consisted of Otis Williams, 
Melvin Franklin, Paul Williams, no relation to Otis, Eddie Kendricks, and Al Bryant. Barry Gordy signed the group to his Motown label in 1961, but upon discovering another act was already known as the Elgins, a pivotal change was made. The group said, we are no longer the Elgins, my friends. We shall henceforth be called the Temptations. Side note. Barry Gordy rebranded another Motown group, the Downbeats, as the Elgins in 1965. I'm guessing the Elgins who existed in 61 had dissolved by then? Gordy likely thought it was a name he had pulled out of thin air. I made it up. I am a genius. January 1964. After several confrontations with Al Bryant, including one in which he nearly blinded Paul Williams with a bottle, the group made another historic decision by replacing Bryant with David Ruffin. This solidified what would later be identified as the classic five lineup for The Temptations. Otis, Melvin, Paul, Eddie, and David. Of course, nothing lasts forever. The Temptations have witnessed several shakeups in the membership department, with a total of 27 vocalists coming and going, coming back and going away again over the years. But one man has been with the group since its inception, Otis Williams. Otis is 81 years old, the last surviving member of the Classic Five, and still performing with the group's current lineup as of this recording. The man appears on each and every one of their 43 studio albums, including Temptation 60, which dropped in 2022. Let's hear a little bit more about Otis and the rest of the Classic Five. Otis Williams, his role in the group, tenor slash baritone. Prior to the formation of The Temptations, Otis was a founding member of the El Domingos and Otis Williams and The Distance. The latter group was actually originally known as Otis Williams and the Siberians, for those keeping score. The Distance had one minor hit, Come On, which was co-written by Otis and the group's manager, Johnny May Matthews. From the beginning, Otis was the unofficial and undeniable leader of The Temptations. To this day, he still retains the rights to the group's name and brand. He rarely sang lead, though it was known to happen on occasion. See, this guy's in love with you from the 1968 album Live at London's Talk of the Town, and I Ain't Got Nothing from the 1972 album All Directions. Additional nuts and bolts, an engagement to the one and only Patti LaBelle fell apart when she refused to give up her career in music to become a housewife, which is what Otis demanded of all of his wives. Good for you, Patti LaBelle. Otis received an honorary doctorate from Stillman College in 2006. Hey, good for you, Otis. Let's move on to Melvin Franklin. Roll bass. Nickname, Blue. A reference to his favorite Italian song, Nel Blu de Pinto de Blu. Translated as In the Blue That is Painted Blue. The song was first recorded by Domenico Mondu... Mon... Mon... Oh, no. The song... <laughs> Take two. The song was first recorded by Domenico Madugno in 1958. Domenico, I apologize. I try my best. Prior to the formation of The Temptations, Melvin was a member of The Voice Masters and Otis Williams and The Distance. Pop quiz. Do you remember what The Distance called themselves initially? 
Ah, uh, the Siberians, that's right, you get a cigar. Melvin and Otis Williams were classmates at Detroit's Northwestern High School. Otis was familiar with Melvin's voice, having heard him perform with the voice masters, and when one of the Siberians dropped out, Otis invited Melvin to fill the spot. Melvin was skeptical. He said, well, I don't know you. You have to ask my mama. As luck would have it, Otis made a solid case, and Melvin's mother, Rose Franklin, agreed to the arrangement. We're going to flash forward to 1978. The Temptations have been around for quite a bit at this time. Melvin is shot twice, I believe, in one of his hands and one of his legs, while attempting to stop the theft of his car. The incident prevented him from joining the Temptations on a tour of Poland, a historic opportunity, as Poland was still behind the Iron Curtain at the time. Like Otis, Melvin rarely sang lead, save for a handful of exceptions. I truly, truly believe from The Temptations Wish It Would Rain from 1968, The Prophet from A Song For You from 1975, and Silent Night from Give Love at Christmas from 1980. Melvin remained with The Temptations for the entirety of his life. He died in 1994 as a result of the flesh-eating disease necrotiding fasciitis. The last song he recorded with the group, Life is But a Dream, can be heard on their 1995 release, For Lovers Only. But let's not end Melvin's story on a sad note. Here's something. Melvin can be heard as the voice of Wheels, an artificially intelligent race car, in all 13 episodes of the CBS animated series Pole Position. It's based on the video game, baby. It's from the 80s. Did I not? I did not write down what year it was on TV, but you can be re <laughs> rest assured it is a 1980s program. Paul Williams is, oh, Paul, you're up next. Roll baritone. Paul and Eddie Kendricks were classmates in elementary school. Rumor has it they first met when Paul dumped a bucket of mop water on Eddie, which led to a fistfight. Animosity soon evolved into friendship, and after several years of performing together in a church choir, the boys formed their first group, the Cavaliers, which would later be rebranded as the Primes. Fact, an all-female spin-off of the Primes, the Primettes, found immense success under a different name, the Supremes. Paul choreographed several dance routines for the Supremes, including the moveset for Stop in the Name of Love. Paul was the original lead singer and choreographer for The Temptations. With time, the security of those roles began to evaporate. Eddie and David took the lead on several hit singles. Choli Atkins stepped in to take over the choreography. Paul was predictably put out by these developments. All things considered, I would argue Paul's story is the most tragic of the classic five. He suffered from sickle cell anemia and alcoholism, the combined effects of which all but destroyed his singing voice. Vocalist Richard Street was hired to sing Paul's parts from behind a curtain while Paul appeared on stage. And when Paul was too far gone to appear on stage, Richard simply took his place in every sense. Did I mention oxygen tanks were waiting in the wings for Paul at several performances? Flash forward to August 1973. Paul's body is found in a parked car near the home of his girlfriend. He was 34 years old at the time of his death, which was initially ruled a suicide. Though Paul had been known to express suicidal thoughts, 
The coroner's assessment brought forth a number of confusing details. Most importantly, Paul had been shot in the left side of his head, but the gun was found to his right on the floor of the car. In this scenario, Paul would have used his right hand to shoot through the left side of his head. Doesn't seem likely. But let's not end Paul's story on a sad note. Did I mention one of his kids, Paul Williams Jr., became a member of the Temptations Review? Warning, the Temptations Review is not associated with the Temptations. To be perfectly clear, they are a splinter act, as described by Wikipedia. Splinter. That doesn't carry any judgment at all, Wikipedia. Let's move on to Eddie Kendricks. Eddie's role in terms of singing was tenor and falsetto. His nickname was Cornbread or Corn because the man was a fan of cornbread. Simple as that. Prior to the formation of The Temptations, Eddie was a founding member of The Cavaliers, along with his former school chum, Paul Williams. You remember all of that. The bucket of mop water, the fist fight, and such. Fact, Eddie Kendricks pursued Diana Ross of the Supremes. Eddie's name does not appear on Diana Ross's Wikipedia page, so I'm thinking this pursuit led to Zip Bupkis. Eddie was responsible for The Temptations' signature vocal arrangements and wardrobe. His contributions to the group were invaluable. But here's the thing, Eddie was a problem. Let's make a list of the problems. Problem, Eddie was not a fan of Motown's Barry Gordy. Problem, he disliked the direction of the group's musical style, which began to lean away from romantic ballads and toward a more psychedelic sound. Problem, frequent and oftentimes public altercations with Otis and Melvin. Tensions came to a head when Eddie stormed out of the Copacabana on the first night of their 1970 run at the historic venue. Eddie recorded one final song with the group, an obscure tune known as Just My Imagination Running Away With Me. I've never heard of it. But after that, he was entirely focused on a solo career. My time starts now. Though Eddie's solo era didn't start out with a bang, he eventually became the only member of The Temptations to score a number one hit all on his own. That number one hit, Keep On Truckin', topped Billboard's Hot 100 and R&B singles charts and sold over a million copies. Boogie Down also sold a million copies and achieved number one status on Billboard's R&B singles chart, not too shabby. Flash forward to 1985. Upon finding himself in yet another rut, Eddie agreed to return to The Temptations for the sake of a reunion tour and album, the name of which was, appropriately enough, Reunion. A positive thing, right? Uh, well, let's j just hold on. Years of chain smoking had made it difficult for Eddie to hit his world-famous falsetto high notes. The group encouraged him to visit a doctor who identified a pin drop of cancer on one of his lungs. Eddie flatly refused to undergo chemotherapy, knowing it would result in the loss of his hair. Did the problem fix itself? No, it did not. 1991, Eddie undergoes surgery to remove one of his lungs. 1992, Eddie dies as a result of lung cancer. 
But let's not end Eddie's story on a sad note. Here's something. In 1999, the city of Birmingham, Alabama, Alabama was Eddie's home state, established the Eddie Kendrick Memorial Park, which features several statues of Eddie, The Temptations, and a soundtrack of classic hits that plays throughout the area. Okay? All right. <laughs> there are nice things. These biographies are very sad, but there are nice things to consider. Here's something. Now, let's move on to David Ruffin, the last of the Classic Five role, tenor. Prior to the formation of The Temptations, David traveled and performed with a family gospel group and made plans to join the ministry. He was also violently abused by his father. My God, these biographies. When his idols, Sam Cooke and Jackie Wilson, left gospel to pursue secular music, David did the same. He sang as a member of the Dixie Nightingales, the Soul Stirrers, and the Voice Masters. Hello, Melvin, before replacing Al Bryant as the fifth member of The Temptations. Smokey Robinson, the group's chief songwriter and producer, believed David had what it took to move from the background to lead vocals. He simply needed the right song. My Girl proved to be that very song, and it became the group's first number one single. Fact. David developed a four-headed microphone stand that allowed the group to perform their choreography without having to crowd around a single device. The man was smart, a real innovator. Marvin Gaye described David's voice thusly, quote, I heard in his voice a strength my own voice lacked. Quote, the man was talented, one of a kind. Problem, David was severely addicted to cocaine. Problem, David often skipped out on rehearsals and performances. Problem, when the Supremes changed their name to Diana Ross and the Supremes, David declared their group should be known as David Ruffin and the Temptations. Problem, David was abusive to his girlfriends, including Motown superstar Tammy Terrell, who first recorded Ain't No Mountain High Enough with Marvin Gaye. David hit Tammy in the skull with a motorcycle helmet. That was one of many, many incidents that were witnessed by the Temptations. The guy was a fucking asshole. June 1968. David is fired shortly after missing a performance in Cleveland, Ohio. He had chosen to watch another girlfriend, Barbara Martin, daughter of Dean, perform instead. David actively encouraged Dennis Edwards to take his spot in The Temptations. No, please, Dennis, take my spot. I've been fired. Take my spot. But that didn't stop him from interrupting several shows and snatching the mic right out of Dennis's hand. Give me that microphone, Dennis. I'm back, baby. Did you miss me? Boo, Dennis. Yay, me. The Temptations actually considered letting David back into the group when they saw how fans reacted to his surprise appearances, but the idea was dismissed about 30 seconds after it was brought to the table. David did eventually return to the group, along with Eddie Kendricks, for the aforementioned 1980s reunion tour and album. As a solo artist, David had one top 10 hit, Walk Away From Love, which peaked at number nine on the pop charts and sold over a million copies. 1991, David is found in a West Philadelphia crack house, having died from an accidental overdose of crack cocaine. 
the disappearance of a money belt containing $40,000 in cash led some to believe foul play was a factor. I have a feeling, crazy theory, I know, that someone in that crack house saw David go down and immediately robbed the man of every cent he had. I don't think David was murdered. I, no, I don't think that. But let's not end David's story on a sad note. Here's something. In October of 2019, the city of Meridian, Mississippi, Mississippi being David's home state, renamed a section of 8th Street as David Ruffin Boulevard. The Temptations scored four number one Billboard Hot 100 hits over the course of their, of their tenure, those four being I Can't Get Next to You, Just My Imagination, Running Away With Me, My Girl, and Papa Was a Rolling Stone. They had 15 number one Billboard US R&B hits, those being Ain't Too Proud to Beg, Beauty is only skin deep. Get ready. Happy people. I can't get next to you. I could never love another after loving you. I know I'm losing you. I wish it would rain. Just my imagination. Running away with me. Let your hair down. Masterpiece. My girl. Running away. Child. Running wild. Shaky ground. And the way you do the things you do. They were nominated for nine Grammy Awards and won four. Here are those four. In 1969, they won Best Rhythm and Blues Performance for Cloud Nine. In 1973, Papa was a Rolling Stone received two Grammy Awards for Best Rhythm and Blues Performance and Best R&B Instrumental Performance. And then in 2001, they won a Grammy Award for Best Traditional R&B Vocal Album, that being Irresistible. E-A-R dash Resistible. Total album sales. Well, here's where the internet completely failed me. Here's where I was only able to confirm tens of millions. Thank you very much, Google. How does no one have the data on this? I want to know how many albums this group has sold. In 1989, six members of The Temptations were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, those being Melvin Franklin, Eddie Kendricks, Paul Williams, Otis Williams, David Ruffin, and Dennis Edwards, who, as you may or may not remember, replaced David Ruffin in 1968. That's all the research I have for you. Ah, oh, so much research. For the purposes of this week's episode, I would direct you to our Patreon feed, where you can listen to Broadway in Chicago, episode 11. In that episode of the Broadway in Chicago Patreon series, mmm, yes, patreon.com slash musicalmanpod, nearly forgot about that, mmm, you gotta say the, you gotta say the web address, Jonathan. In that 11th episode, we talk about my experience seeing Ain't Too Proud live, so if you want to get my thoughts. I believe that is at the $5 a month Patreon tier. So I would encourage you to go and listen to that. But for the purposes of this week's research, I listened to the 2019 original Broadway cast album of Ain't Too Proud, and I watched the 2019 Tony Awards performance of Ain't Too Proud to Beg, Just My Imagination, Running Away With Me, and I Can't Get Next to You. That's all. That's all I did. It's time to talk about the score. Let's begin, Patty and Benny, with a little bit of the way you do the things you do. Well, it could have been anything that she wanted to 
song on the charts. Took us 24 singles before we got it. Definitely didn't think we had a hit with those lyrics. You got a smile so bright. You know you could have been a candle. <laughs> Ain't exactly Langston Hughes. But we made history together. All of us. Building this group was some kind of testimony of will. Like a shepherd herding sheep up the mountain to stand before the Almighty. When you finally reach the summit, you realize all the flock have scattered and you're the only one left. That's when it's time to revisit your journey, measure if it was worth the cost of losing your brothers. David, Eddie, Paul, Melvin. The classic men who built the temptations. With these men, Oh, I felt the most magic I ever felt in my life. But if I'm gonna be measured right, I got to start at the beginning. As we've established, Ain't Too Proud is based on the 1988 biography written by Otis Williams and Patricia Romanowski. Otis is our narrator in this musical and ostensibly our lead character. He is the lens through which every major and minor event is filtered, which is why I find these lines so funny and bizarre. He says, the way you do the things you do. Ah, remember that? Uh, are you kidding? Otis, come on. Yes, we remember that. Do we remember that? I mean, for crying out loud. But then he says, this is the really weird part to me. He says, definitely didn't think we had a hit with those lyrics. You got a smile so bright, you know you could have been a candle. Huh, ain't exactly Langston Hughes. Otis, what are you doing? This is how we start the show, by throwing Smokey Robinson under the bus? What's wrong with the candle metaphor? This entire enterprise is predicated on a highly valuable and intense nostalgia for the temptations. And here we are, here we have the stage version of Otis taking air out of that enterprise. Thanks for coming, y'all. Did you ever notice our lyrics sort of stunk? No, no, we did not. Should we leave? Do you want us to leave? Very weird. We were five young bloods growing up in Detroit. All of us came up from the South with our folks who were looking for jobs in the auto industry. Country boys had to change their game quick up north. Now you feel like the whole world's picking on you. Your mother wanna raise you the right way, yeah. Ooh, you don't care. Cause you already made up your mind you wanna run away. Where you from, country bumpkin? Who you calling country bumpkin? You from Texas, ain't you? That's country bumpkin. Don't come up here acting better than us Motor City boys. You either sang or you join a gang. Can't do neither. Better learn to run. You a 
cheap country bumpkin. I ain't no cheat. You gonna give me another turn or what? You're on your way. Oh, runaway child, running wild. Oh, oh, runaway child, running wild. Now, I was raised by my two grandmamas in Texarkana. They had where I got my sense of order and obedience. But when I got to Detroit to live with my mama, Hayes, that obedience stuff went right out the window. Coming through the city, going nowhere fast on your own. Now, hey, it's getting late. Where will you sleep? Ain't kinda hungry. You forgot to bring something to eat. I lost with no money. You start to cry. That was Runaway Child Running Wild here on KISS FM, Los Angeles' number one hit music station and the home of Ryan Seacrest. (laughs) Ah, no, I'm joking, listeners. This is podcast. I'm afraid we have to keep talking about the book, Dominique Morisot. I hate to say it because I gotta tell ya, Dominique, some of your lines are about as subtle as a tin drum. Here's one which you just would have heard I'll recreate it for you. Quote, Don't come up here acting better than us Motor City boys. You either sing or you join a gang. If you can't do either, better learn to run. Quote, I realize this goes without saying, but turning the story of the Temptations into a linear and easy-to-follow evening of entertainment would be a challenge for any writer. You have to shift between five distinct biographies and make room for the national and global events that shaped those biographies. But you can't throw everything into the pot, right? A lot of the finer details are inevitably going to fall to the floor for the sake of momentum. Exposition and big, broad emotional beats help to keep things moving. I get that, but I'm pretty sure we can do better than you either sing or you join a gang. Lines like that pull the earth out from under our feet. They dilute reality to a startling degree. Where is the reality in a line like that? What is the value of it? What does it yield? I may be fixating on one line, but the book of Ain't Too Proud is riddled with its cousins, dramaturgical burps that lack any sense of grace or recognizable humanity. People do not talk like Tina Turner in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Welcome to Bottertown. Here are the rules of Bottertown. Ha ha! this fella we've been scouting for a minute. Live right on Euclid Avenue, one block behind me. My folks knew some cuts by Jimmy Ruffin, but when he brought his little brother on stage. You know, oldest man, I've been seeing y'all rise for a minute. Was always hoping for my chance to work with you, be more than a side act for my brother. You've been waiting to work with us. With a voice like yours? (laughs) A man ain't nothing without the right people beside him. I was coming to try to talk you into being a temptation. Well, talk me into it then. 
And that was us, the five classic temptations. First time Smokey heard David, we knew he found his muse. I've got so much honey, the bees envy me. I've got a sweeter song than the birds in the trees. Whatever we had before, it wasn't what we have now. I wrote you something special. Go with that special voice. Nobody's going to be able to sing it better. Come on, David. Front and center. This one's all for you. for not making this clear at the outset, but let it be known that Derek Baskin, Jawan M. Jackson, Jeremy Pope, James Harkness, and Evram Sykes make for one hell of a team. They live up to the totemic musical legacy of The Temptations and make it look easy, though it's not like they didn't have practice. Ain't Too Proud actually first premiered at California's Berkeley Repertory Theater in 2017 before moving to Washington, D.C.'s Kennedy Center in 2018. Our signature quintet was fully formed by the D.C. run, and they continued with the show as it moved from Los Angeles to Toronto and finally Broadway. The fact that none of these guys were dismissed on the road to New York says everything about them. They fused, they became a unit. Anyone who can make a song like My Girl sound new again has my full support. We found our diamond in the roughin'. My childhood friend was now one-fifth of my heartbeat, and things were about to change for the temps in a big way.
Would it surprise you to learn I consider Get Ready to be a fantastic song? I'm talking to Otis Williams right now. Otis, would you like to poke fun at the Get Ready lyrics as well? Lines like, fee-fi-fo-fum, look out, baby, cause here I come. And what should we make of fiddly-dee, fiddly-dum, not exactly Maya Angelou. Otis has a lot of positive things to say about The Temptations, and I'm talking about the stage version of Otis. Just know that. He's not out here looking to piss on anyone's grave, but I will never get over that Langston Hughes quip. Not exactly Langston Hughes. No one would ever think to make the comparison. No one would ever think to compare the two, Otis. Otis! Otis! Sometimes you let go of one dream to get to something bigger. And when it feels like that bigger dream might be able to change more than just you, you owe it to everybody to see how high you can get. But it was a risk. We hadn't even reached the top at Motown yet. That slot belonged to someone else. is going crazy for the Supremes. Don't see none of them doing splits and catching mics in their hands. Well, you're that fine. You ain't got to do nothing but say. Hot 100 again, five songs at number one. That's more than us. Maybe they got wider appeal. Maybe they got whiter appeal. Let's get this out of the way. How does one build a Supremes medley and not include Stop in the Name of Love? Far be it for me to dismiss the popularity of Come See About Me, but Stop reduces it to footnote status in just half a dozen notes. Here's my recommendation. Ah, director's cap, I'm wearing it. Present audiences with a love medley that begins with You Can't Hurry Love, continues with Baby Love, we're keeping two of the three, and end it with Stop in the Name of Love. Paul Williams choreographed the stop routine. You have the perfect opportunity to draw a connection between the Temptations and the Supremes. Why not take it? Think of the dopey lines you could give to Paul. Something like, hey, those are my moves. I gave them chicks my moves, and now they're bigger than us. Fellas, I am supremely pissed off. Are we supposed to feel bad for the Temptations as they carp, whine, and moan their way through this sequence? Maybe they got wider appeal. Maybe they got whiter appeal. Ugh, look, fellas, you all work for Motown. 
the Temptations, the Supremes, you all work for Barry Gordy. Everyone is looking to cross over. So any attempt at making the Supremes look like a bunch of fucking sellouts only makes you look like petty fools. Put a sock in it. Here's what I recall about the dynamic of The Temptations, as presented by Ain't Too Proud. When I watched it, I remember thinking, oh, The Temptations were miserable people. They rarely enjoy each other's company in the show. There's very few book moments, I should say, where they enjoy each other's company. They fly toward conflict like moths to a flame, and it doesn't take long before all of that bickering permanently sours the show's tone. Their songs are stupendous, but you couldn't, you couldn't pay me to have lunch with these gloomy gusses. Otis, I'm seeing somebody new. Oh. That's all you can say? Not sure what else to say. I know it didn't work between you and me, but... Don't say you still love me. Just don't. Even if it's true. If you... you out of my life. I don't know what that means, but that's how I feel. I can't sit around waiting on you to figure out what it means, Otis. All the things that we've been through, you should understand me like I understand you. Between right and wrong I ain't gonna do nothing And end up alone Oh, don't get too excited When I don't do everything right Cause people only act like children Rashidra Scott sounds phenomenal throughout her rendition of If You Don't Know Me By Now, so unwavering in her strength and confidence, a true force to be reckoned with. And to be frank, it was nice to hear an uninterrupted solo from a woman. The material we hear from the Supremes is a fleeting diversion, but this right here is a genuine stop-what-you-are-doing-and-pay-attention moment, the sort of moment only theater can provide. Scott played Susan in the most recent Broadway revival of Company, and I'll say it here, folks, she deserved a bigger part. She's too talented to play Susan. I'm sure many of you already picked up on this, but in Ain't Too Proud, Scott plays Josephine Rogers, the first of Otis Williams' three wives. The depiction of their marriage and how it fell apart boasts about as much depth as a child's inflatable swimming pool. 
The book scenes reduce Josephine to a voice on one end of the telephone, a woman who is perpetually stuck and prone to repetition. Come home, Otis. Raise your son, Otis. Come home, Otis. Who would want to play those scenes day after day? Thank heavens for this number, because without it, Rashidra Scott would be a performer bereft of purpose. This is her moment to shine, and that is exactly what she does. What is it, Paul? What's the matter with you? They done killed Reverend King. Guys, please go away. My girl's found another and gone away. With her went my future. My life is filled with gloom. So day after day, I stay locked up in my room. I know to you, it might sound strange, but I wish it would rain. As if the world losing Dr. King wasn't enough, the Motown family lost Tammy Terrell from a brain tumor. She died at 24 years old. David was destroyed, maybe permanently. Day in, day out, my tears stained face pressed against the window pane. My eyes search the skies, desperately for rain. The drops were hot, my teardrops. from the death of Martin Luther King Jr. into the lyrics of I Wish It Would Rain is the textbook definition of a swing and a miss. Sunshine, blue skies, please go away. My girl has found another and gone away. What does that have to do with Dr. King? Well, Jonathan, the song is sad and the death of Dr. King was also sad. So, uh, there you go. Uh, one plus one equals two, sir. But the Temptations are singing about a girl. Well, oh, we were getting to that. Uh, see, I uh, see. Uh, oh, here, here we go. Uh, Tammy Terrell. She was a girl who went away, so to speak. Died of a brain tumor. She did. See, see, see. see? All part of the plan. Uh huh. Sort of seems like you stumbled into slash locked out on that one. Oh, maybe we did it. Maybe we did it. Who's to say? I'm only raising a stink because a lot of the songs in Ain't Too Proud are presented diegetically with no real concern as to whether or not they expand on character or story beats. And when the show does use music to comment on the action, it typically succeeds. Papa Was a Rolling Stone is a reflection of Otis and his inability to be a stable father. That works, certainly. Superstar was always intended to act as a dismissal of David Ruffin and his raging narcissism. So, of course, that slides right into the narrative. The placement of I Wish It Would Rain may not totally derail this week's subject, but it is certainly a distraction. If honoring Dr. King is your goal, get up off your ass and do it right. 
Find an appropriate song and take time to meditate on that nationwide grief. Don't use the man's death as one part of your funereal collage. It's morbid. Dr. King died. Sad. Tammy Terrell also died. What a trip, am I right? I mean, I guess this is probably as good a time as any uh, to mention how Otis Williams, the stage version of Otis Williams, talks about David Ruffin throughout the show. Otis is our narrator, as previously stated, which means he's the only one who can provide insight on David Ruffin. But that insight is routinely sidelined for the sake of bone-chilling puns. We had found our diamond in the Ruffin is bad enough. That's really bad. But what about when Otis is like, you know, we all had it hard growing up, but no one had it rougher than Ruffin. Where are these lines coming from? The memoir, the biography on which the musical is based? I can't imagine why anyone would have included them otherwise. The abuse David endured as a child and the contribution that abuse made to a cycle of violence? That, guys, that is serious stuff. Why am I having to say this? I imagine David Ruffin hanging out in the afterlife responding to rumors about... What he's heard in regards to Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations. They said, what now? No one had it rougher than Ruffin? What's that supposed to mean? Is that supposed to be like a, a minor laugh line to break the tension? Do I need to haunt Otis Williams? got back from lunch, Shelly told us Eddie was gone. He didn't come back for that show or any more after. Just my imagination running away with me. That is the Temptations tune I've been singing to myself all week. So I thought it only right to have it featured here in this segment, the Deconstruction of the Score segment. And thus it came to pass that it was featured. Ha ha ha, the prophecy. Oh, it came true. What do I have to say about just my imagination? Not much, baby. Song, nice. Song, soothing. Song, double plus good. Yeah.
finale, which is essentially presented in full during the 2019 Tony Awards performance, is a real delight. Every member of the company is decked out in snow-white tuxedos because everyone can be a temptation. Yay! Everyone! Opa! A lovely sentiment, even if the group has never actually included a female or non-binary performer among its ranks. Maybe one day. No, probably not. The glamour of the finale effectively dispels any residual gloom and or doom that may have stuck with us over the course of the evening. And I welcomed that, let me tell you. I have a feeling I wasn't the only one. If anything, the finale is too short. I could go for another minute or two of I can't get next to you. And that musical burst at the end of the track could stand to be more explosive, more resolutely conclusive. But methinks I've done more than enough snipping and sniping, snip, snipe, throughout this week's coverage. I enjoyed the finale. Let's leave it at that. Let's leave it at that in general. That's all I have to say regarding the score of Ain't Too Proud. Let's, oh, let's, uh, let's throw it. Let's throw it to our fine sponsor, 5678 Coffee. Take it away, 5678. frighten you, Katie? Did we? Oh, Agnes, we frightened her. We frightened Katie. Do you know what I am, Katie? I'm a ship captain who was killed at sea during a mutiny. I've come back from the dead to exact my terrible revenge. See this funny stuff in my hair? Uh, That's powder from my tombstone, Katie. My wife, Miss Angelica Lavender, claimed my mutilated body when my ship pulled into port. She gave me a Christian burial, but my anger was too fierce, you see. I rose up out of the earth and smashed my tombstone to bits. Oh, yes, it's true. It may look like there's flour in my hair, but it's really tombstone powder. And see these awful red splotches on my clothes? I know it looks like ketchup, Katie, but it's actually blood. The blood of the man who was sleeping with my wife. My corpse came home in search of solace, and there he was, in bed with Miss Angelica. He told her his name was Rufus Mandrake, but his real name was Nigel Profiter. He was a thief and a scoundrel, so it's good that I killed him, really. The sweet and sour smell of his blood reminds me of how it felt to be alive in a strange sort of way. Oh, but this is the best part, Katie. See this can of 5678 coffee? I store the teeth. 
of my former shipmates in this can. I travel the country, and I find them in their homes, and I stab them in their sleep, and I always make sure to claim their teeth as my horrible prize. Katie, does it really sound like I have teeth in this old can? I'm afraid they sound like acorns and buttons, which is what they really are. Oh, oh, they do! <laughs> Agnes, they sound like real teeth, did you hear? Agnes is going to be my wife, Miss Angelica Lavender. She's going to follow me around the neighborhood, sobbing ceaselessly as she bears witness to my frightful deeds. And the whole time, Miss Angelica will wonder, how did it all go so very wrong? Oh, can we borrow some whipped cream, Katie? Oh, please, just a little. Angelica got bit by an 18th century hellhound, and she's slowly dying from rabies, you know. Oh, thank you, Katie. Oh, <laughs> happy Halloween. <laughs> Final thoughts regarding Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations. I have no final thoughts. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes my brain, she is empty. So that's what's happening right now. My brain is empty. Now, in 2019, the winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical was Town, former subject Town, And the additional nominees that season were Beetlejuice, The Prom, and former subject Tootsie. Town, you have absolutely nothing to worry about. You get comfy, Town. I am not going to take that award from you. Never. Never! It is now time for me to rank Ain't Too Proud against all of the other musicals we've talked about here on the show. As a reminder, if you want to take a look at this ranking of ours, go to twitter.com slash musicalmanpod, access our link tree, there's a link to our spreadsheet. It's a Google spreadsheet, baby. And on the second tab of that sheet is our ranking. Ain't Too Proud will fall at number 100 on the dot between Moving Out at number 99 and Oliver at number 101. Yeah, baby. I have a number of show-related ephemera yum-yums for you to snack on this time around. I want to focus on the television appearances that The Temptations made over the years. I'm not talking about shows like The Ed Sullivan Show, no! I'm talking about scripted television. Yeah, so let's start with episode four, uh, no, season four, episode 19 of The Fall Guy, which is, then the name of that episode is Rockabye Baby. The air date is February 13th, 1985, and here's... Here's the description of The Fall Guy provided to me by Wikipedia. Lee Majors plays Colt Seavers, a Hollywood stuntman who moonlights as a bounty hunter. He uses his physical skills and knowledge of stunt effects to capture criminals. Ooh! In this episode, The Temptations perform Treat Her Like a Lady from their 1984 album, Truly For You. Now, I don't want to play the actual audio from the show, even though that is on YouTube. It's not not that great in terms of the sound quality, so I just want to show, I want to show you, show you, I want to play for you, treat her like a lady, because it's so cheesy and so fun. Uh, Patty, Benny, let's hear Treat Her Like a Lady. Treat her like a lady.
what did I tell you? I don't lie to you, right? So cheesy, so fun. What about The Love Boat, season nine, episode two, which is known as The Temptations? I believe every episode of The Love Boat was actually split into three segments, and every segment had their own title. The Temptations segment is known as The Temptations. This episode aired on October 5th, 1985, three days before the birth of me? My God. Now, <laughs> in this episode, the Temptations perform Treat Her Like a Lady again, they were really pushing that song, while shooting a music video on the love boat. But get this, in the clip you're about to hear, a woman who works on the love boat interrupts the shoot. Oh, let's see what happens. What did you think we were doing here, playing Name That Tune? You ruined a sequence that took all morning to set up. I'm sorry. You see, I'm Vicki Steubing. I work here. I just came by to see if there was anything you needed. Yeah, I need to keep the record company off my back and the film crew on schedule. I can't help you with that. Listen, I was just wondering, do you think it's possible that maybe we could get the Temptations to do a concert for the passengers? Well, maybe if we hit an iceberg, they'll sing near my God to thee. Now stay out of the way. Oh. Oh, look, uh, hey, don't do that. I just wanted to talk to the Temptations. Uh, uh, uh. All right, guys, uh, everyone, take five. I'm sorry I blew my top. I'm under a lot of pressure. You're deserving. I did a really stupid thing. Oh, hey. Everybody makes mistakes. Did you see that happening? Whatever happened? <laughs> Let's move on to season three, episode three of Moonlighting, which is known as Symphony in Knocked Flat, which aired on October 14th, 1986, uh, shortly after my first birthday. Me, me, me. <laughs> in the cold open of this episode of Moonlighting, the Temptations perform a psychedelic shack from the 1970 album of the same name. Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard weave in and out of this performance. It's really lame, so we're not going to play any of that stuff. I just want to play the original track for Psychedelic Shack because, again, it's a really good song. Let's hear it.
I never lie to you. It's a good song. Season 2, episode 5 of the sitcom 227 is up next. It's known as Temptations, duh. And it originally aired on November 15th, 1986. In this episode, quote, Mary is in charge of the church's charity show, and it's like divine providence when the temptations show up at her door. Quote, ah, let's see what happens. Right this way, fellas. Mary, you never guess who's here. I know who's here, honey. Three poor men who've had an accident. Oh, you're bleeding. It's just a scratch. <laughs> Mary, I'm trying to tell you something. Well, not now, honey. Uh, sit down. Sit, sit. You could be in shock. Mary, it's... Ollie, Melvin, and Otis are the Temptations. How's your mouth? Yes, it is! You are? Yes, we are. Oh, my God, the Temptations! In the flesh, dog. How did you hear that? The Temptations right in our living room. I'm the one who told you. Are you sure? Or shall we? Let's. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah. Ain't you proud to be? <laughs> you know... Hi, I'm Santa Claus, Mary's best friend. Hi, bud. Well, the Lord delivered. Now all I got to do is get him on the show. We have two more pieces of ephemera yum-yum for you to snack on. Here is season two, episode 27 of Murphy Brown, Going to the Chapel, part two, which originally aired on May 21st, 1990. In this clip that you are about to hear, the Temptations perform a somewhat confounding version of Here Comes the Bride. I don't really know what's going on in this episode in general, but it would seem that a wedding has gone awry somehow. I don't know. Let's figure it out together. Well, everybody's gone, except Jim and Doris. They're out there waiting for the tow truck. <laughs> Boy, this has been a rotten day all around. Poor Corky. She must be crushed. They're doing the right thing, Frank. Mm. Well, if you're ready, we may as well go. Uh, not so fast. There's one more thing I got to do. Go for it, guys. Will and Corky brought the heart. I thought I'd take care of the soul. I don't think we did. <laughs> let's let's round this segment out with season two, episode seven of Getting By, which is known as Reach for the Stars. Air date, November 23rd, 1993. Ah, you know what? Let's actually not worry about this one. I wanted to mention it, but the only evidence of the episode existing on YouTube, oh my God, the video and audio, beyond terrible. I would never make you listen to that. All right, we're done. To determine which show we discuss next, We'll need to take a ride on the musical carousel, otherwise known as the random number generator I named after that classic Rogers and Hammerstein show, Yo Zeus! 
Let's have an affair at the Acropolis. Everyone ready? Then away we go! The next subject of our main feed coverage is a 1998 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical, and it ran for a scant 91 performances on Broadway. The name of the show is Sideshow. Oh, yes. I will never leave you. I will never go away. We want that to share each moment. <laughs> That episode is going to drop August 2nd. Mark your calendars. I know we've been all over the place. We advertise ourselves as a weekly show. But here's the thing. We're doing TV VIP over on the Patreon platform. My, my wonderful husband, Chris. His birthday is coming up on July 20th. So I don't want to do anything podcast related during the week of his birthday. No, 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 no. So August 2nd, be patient. Believe me, it'll be worth it. Go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod to find out how you can support the show financially. As a reminder, 100% of every monthly Patreon payout is donated to the Planned Parenthood Action Fund. We don't keep any of that money. It all goes to the Action Fund. You can donate $1, $3, 5 or $10 a month. If you donate $1 a month, you get Monday early access to all of our main feed episodes. A verbal shout-out each and every week. Thank you so much for donating at least $1 a month. Caroline, Helena, Greg, Andy, Elizabeth, Aaron, Jason, Jack, Vitor, Sydney, Katie, Elena, Anton, Ross, HJG, Jared, Eli, David, Dave, Christopher, Neil, Brian, Robin, Liz, Carrie, Maddie, Jonathan, Marcus, Rob, Shauna, Shianti, Roberto, Jordan, Ashley, Chris, JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. You get 19 bonus episodes regarding the 73rd Annual Tony Awards, the trailer for the film Cats, The Little Mermaid Live, and also a full review of Cats. I'm at Chicago Shakespeare Theater. Take me to the world of Sondheim, 90th birthday celebration. Hamilton via Disney Plus and documentary now, original cast album co-op, John Mulaney and the Sacklutch Bunch, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey, Dolly Barton's Christmas on the Square, and Darla the Alligator Boy, the trailer for West Side Story. Oh, Vivo! <laughs> Enough with that bit. Vivo, the Tony Awards present Broadway's back. Diana, Annie Live, The Notebook at Chicago Shakespeare Theater, and Beauty and the Beast, a 30th celebration. We're not done. You also get all 12 episodes in season one of Radio Boy, a series dedicated to, no, a series for which, yes, for which I check in with myself via the non-musical theater songs that make me feel more like myself. And you get all 16 episodes in the series M3, the movie musical man, that is dedicated to movie musicals. In every episode of M3, we watch a trilogy of movie musicals that are tied by a common theme. It's so much fun. $3 a month will get you everything I've already described, plus a musical shout-out in the style of a character, actor, or composer of your choosing, all 10 episodes in Wildcats Everywhere, the high school musical podcast, a special all about Julie and the Phantoms, and all of the episodes in our brand new series. It's, it's happening right now. TV VIP. It's dedicated to musical TV shows. We've talked about Schmigadoon, Central Park, Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, Up Here, Cop Rock, Little Voice, and coming Wednesday, July 19th, Rags to Riches. $5 a month will get you everything I've already described, plus 
Oh, you get to stop the musical carousel and determine what show I discuss on the podcast. You get seasons one and two. That's 24 episodes of All I Ask of You. Uh, An advice show. An advice show hosted by The Phantom of the Opera. You get all 14 episodes in our Broadway and Chicago review series and volumes one through five of Shout About It. These are collections, compendiums, if you will, of five, six, seven, eight coffee ads and musical shout-outs from the first 125 episodes of the show. $10 a month. This is our top, top tier. We'll get you everything I've already described, plus exclusive announcements regarding future subjects of the main feed. Season one, that's 12 episodes of The Snub Club, a series dedicated to Broadway musicals that were not nominated for Best Musical, and all 12 episodes in Turn It Off, a series dedicated to off-Broadway musicals. If you're listening to the show via Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, please take a moment to write a five-star review. You can stream the show via Spotify, Audible, or Podbean, musicalmanpod.podbean.com. Follow us on Twitter at musicalmanpod and email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. Thank you, as always, to my Hoochie Coo partners, Patty and Benny, all the way out in Chicago. Alex Green, thank you for our beautiful logo. And Zach Little, thank you for our fabulous intro and outro music. (laughs) You know what that sound means? Yes, just when the fun is starting comes the time for parting. Oh, well. We'll catch up some other time, specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long, farewell, off Wiedersehen, and good night. Yes.